the new Star Wars Death Star Space Station that you put together. Action figures each sold separately. Darth Vader's firing a laser cannon. It's been hit. He's after Luke. Take the elevator. Hurry. Now cross the light bridge. You won't escape me. Jump, Luke. Oh, no. The trash compactor. There's a trash monster. The wall's closing. Save. Kenner's new Star Wars Death Star Space Station. Action figures each sold separately. Hello, and welcome to a very special episode of FW Presents, the anthology show of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. I'm one of your hosts, the Irredeemable Shag, and along with me are my co-hosts for today, the Holly, Rob Kelly, <laughs> the Jolly, Max Romero, <laughs> and the Oh Golly, Chris Franklin. I am contractually obligated to appear on all Christmas episodes on this network. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, it it is going to be a very Merry Christmas with Chris Franklin here, isn't it, folks? Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Perfect. Can't spell Christmas without Chris. Oh! (laughs) So, folks, we wanted to get together and just have some joy this season. Spend a little time finding our joy by remembering some happy Christmas memories, specifically sort of in the geek realm. We wanted to take a little time and talk about some happy Christmas presents we've gotten over the years. Rob, you you found some joy in your life at some point or another, right? (laughs) Wow. Yes. Uh, 2020 has mostly been a one successive kick in the nards for for most of us (laughs) this year. But yeah, I had some good things happen to me and we've had some fun times here on the network. And so we thought it was, it'd be appropriate to at least do one sort of Christmassy show talking about some of the fun stuff that we got for Christmas uh, over the course of our lives. So that that's going to be the theme of this episode. We brought, as we said, our friends, Max. So glad you're here, buddy. I'm glad to be here. I'm always glad to be here. <laughs> See, that please, was my any, any, anybody. Let me be anywhere, please. <laughs> that was my cue for you to stretch it out, Max. See, get it, oh, get it, stretch, oh, plastic stretch. man. See how that works. Uh, yeah, no, I'm. Uh, you know, I am. I'm, I'm not usually a, a, a Christmas guy. You know, I mean, I, I like Christmas, but Halloween is my is my big holiday of the year. But. Um, God, I need Christmas this year. <laughs> I, I, I need some, you know, I need some joy and I need some, uh, you know, sense of brotherhood and people being kind to each other. So I'm actually really looking forward to Christmas this year. Someone get this guy some eggnog stat. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Franklin, I bet uh, there are blow molds plenty of joy at the Franklin residence. Am I right? Oh, yeah, there's at least 22 or so out in the front yard, so yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> wow. You're, you're not at 25 for Christmas, or are you going to put out, like, three more as you get Well, home? I've got to have some room for next year, man, you know, so I've got to I've have goals, you know, so. <laughs> I, I desperately want Chris to get a blow mold carrying case. So it's like the size of a Buick or something where all the blow molds to be like the Darth Vader carrying case where it's just gigantic. And Chris has to like put the blow molds in each specific spot. And there's like labels for each one. I, I want that so bad. Ironically, that ties into one of my stories today. Ooh, nice. You know, when I got my blow mold carrying case. But uh, before we get into our Christmas memories, we should take a second to thank our Patreon folks, because you guys at home have made a very happy holidays for us, because running the Fire and Water Podcast Network with so many expenses, including, by the way, the line item I noticed just last week for blow molds, which is a little ridiculous. Anyway... (laughs) 
all of this really has added up. And when it became too much, we reached out to you folks at home and said, hey, could you help us out to keep the network running? And you guys stepped up. And without you, uh, we wouldn't be on the network this ho- we would The network wouldn't be on the air this holiday season. So thank you so much. And if you're enjoying this show, uh, the best way to support us is to visit our Patreon, which is patreon.com slash fwpodcast. And consider supporting the Fire and Water Podcast Network where you're there. And at certain sponsorship tiers, you get mentioned on your favorite Fire and Water shows, just like these folks. David is Gutierrez and Gord Tolton. A very ho, ho, ho to you both. So again, folks, just visit our Patreon at patreon.com slash fwpodcast. Now, Rob, why don't you kick us off? So the, the, the plan here was just bring some kind of happy Christmas gift memory and, you know, maybe with a geek theme. Why don't you, why don't you give us one to start with? Oh, virtually anything in my life is going to have a geek theme to it at this point. So I mean, that's <laughs> really not to worry about that. But you kind of like what Max just said. I was never a big Christmas kid. I mean, I enjoyed it like anybody else. And, and during the years where I believed that Santa was a thing, which is just up until the last couple of years, but uh, I was more of a, uh, of a, of a birthday kid. I, that was more my thing. And it still kind of is, but nevertheless, I got some really cool stuff for Christmas every so often. And there were pictures uh, documenting these things in our photo albums. And I've shared some of them on social media here and there. So yeah, we're going to kind of go through some of our favorite Christmas stuff that we've gotten over the years. The first thing I'm going to start off with is which was like the big one was in nine, Christmas 1978. I came downstairs uh, from our from from the upstairs in our house in our row home in Philadelphia uh, to my beloved Kenner Death Star playset. Uh, I wanted. I mean, if you look at family photos uh, from me, you see that all the toys I had up until like mid 1977 were all superheroes. All Mego superhero stuff. That's all I cared about. And then when Star Wars showed up, it was all Star Wars. That was all I, all I wanted. And I've talked about this in other episodes. I have, to, I, I have to ask my parents about this at some point. Like, I always kind of wonder, like, what did they do finding some of this obscure stuff? Because, like, did they, like, have to search for these? Like, my dad must have been like, what the hell's an Uggenaut? Like, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> you know, and I'm like, Dad, I already have Death Star Droid. I want Power Droid, you know? And stuff like that. And I'm like that way with Kelly now. And, and, but anyway, I came down one year and there was the Kenner Death Star playset. And for those of you that have seen this thing, uh, you know what a, what a glory it is. It's three levels of, you know, Kenner's version of the Death Star. On the bottom level, you have the, the, uh, the trash compactor, which came with a little rubber Dianoga in there and some foam trash. Uh, and then there's the mid-level where, like, Darth Vader has his meetings. And then there was another level where Luke and Leia could swing over, like, the, the parapet there. And then there was even a top level with, like, the turret gun where you could shoot down the Millennium Falcon and stuff. And you had to build it yourself. And there's a picture of me in my uh, Batman jammies, which unfortunately no longer fit. Uh, me putting together <laughs> – Rob knows. He tries. I tried. It's just stretched and broke. It was quite, very sad. Um, but uh, but I there's photos of me putting that together. And it really was, and I had that toy up until like, I think when I finally gave away all my Star Wars toys, but man, I loved that thing to pieces. It was such a great set. And I don't, it was just, to me, it was like one of the greatest Christmases ever because it was, it was such an elaborate play set. I'm sure it set my parents back a couple of bucks for, you know, 1978 money, but man, and, and I've never been a builder. Like I'm not someone that likes to build things. Or I'm not good with my hands in that way or things like that. But I remember taking real joy and piecing that together all by myself. Cause like, I felt like I was building the Death Star, you know, it was, I didn't ask my dad for help with it. And I just played with that thing until it 
it didn't fall apart actually it held together really well but i mean i eventually lost some of like the foam garbage pieces and all this kind of stuff did any of you guys have have the death star i know chris you're not star wars sort of passed you by as you as you have said in other shows but did any of you guys ever have that playset i am going to plead the fifth till it's my turn to talk all right (laughs) I, i did not um, I, I was also very much into Star Wars, and I'll talk about that in a little bit. But no, I, I never got the Death the Death Star, which you know I was one of the ones that I really, really, really wanted. I apologize, Max. In, in retrospect, <laughs> <laughs> no, no, that that would have just meant that I would been I would have been over at your house playing with your playset. Oh, that would have been <laughs> awesome. Oh man, that would have been cool. Yeah, I said I I just love that I love that toy, and it was it was not the kind of thing that my parents probably would have gotten me for my birthday that probably would have been a little too extravagant, but for Christmas, it probably lined up perfectly. So that was real. And that, that photo, there's that one photo of me putting it together and I'm not even looking at the camera. My parents must have taken the photo sort of surreptitiously. Uh, I always just think about that when I think about great Christmases and it was when I, now when I think about it, it was our last Christmas in our house in Philadelphia because it would have been Christmas of 78 and we moved in April of 79. So that would have been my last Christmas in our original home. So that was a, that was a big moment. Wow. Well, I'll go next on my story. Um, part of this, I, I actually struggled. You know, we had, we had the idea for the, one of us had the idea for this episode and I got all excited about it. And I realized I was having a very hard time remembering. And I'm not trying to get us all down and depressed here, but I, I've mentioned before in other shows, my, my sister passed away when I was young and I was about 12 years old when that happened. Unfortunately, Around the time that it, my brain basically did a hard reboot about that point, and I have very few memories from before age 12. So I realized I couldn't really remember much. So I scrambled, went through a lot of photos, trying to jog memories. So didn't have much to work with here. But what I do remember, uh, the, the happy net memories, is that on Christmas Eve, every Christmas Eve, we would open one present before we went to bed. It was very exciting. The parents would let us do that. And then, um, and, I, and that tradition meant a lot to me to the point now as an adult, you know, all my family lives in different cities around the country now. And usually the holiday season involves a whole bunch of travel to like my mom's and my, my parents are divorced. So I go see my dad. Then we go see my wife's family, all this stuff. And now I, I've gotten to the point there where I always insist my kids, um, or I should say for the beginning, I always insist that my kids wake up in their own beds on Christmas because I want them to be in their house on Christmas Eve. I don't want them to be in someone else's house. You know, when Santa comes, I want Santa to not get confused with the addresses. And uh, it's just something special about watching a kid run out to the tree in the morning. And we share one more memory before I get into my first memory, uh, my first gift. But um, my my family, my dad uh, was born in 1940, and he was one of eight kids. Yeah, eight kids. Yeah. And they, you know, and, uh, you know, his parents got married in the thirties, you know, during a rough time. And then the early forties, it was very rough. Um, and they had eight freaking kids in one job between the two of them. So very tough time financially. I mean, they weren't like dirt poor, but I mean, there was a lot of mouse to feed. There wasn't a lot of money going around. So, uh, every holiday for the kids, one of the treats they would do is they would buy a canned fruit cocktail. You know, it was cheap, but it was affordable. And uh, they would put serve it up in a dish, and they would add a splash of what they called dessert wine, a really super sweet wine. And it was like a special treat for the kids. And again, that's because they didn't have a lot of money. Well, uh, and this is in you know early 40s. Well, about 15 years ago, my dad remembered this and brought the tradition back. So now whenever we have a big family uh, Christmas thing, we all have a little bowl of free cocktail, a little splash of dessert wine. It sort of just remind us how far our families come and also to be thankful for everything we have. So that's a, that's a very special family tradition that I, I love and appreciate. Oh, that's um, nice. So my memory is much shorter. So uh, that that 
so my, it, it's 1979 or 1980. I don't know which, but it's Christmas. You know, we've all got the presents going. I go running downstairs and underneath the tree, there is a giant freaking box for me. And I am so excited. And I've been asking my parents for the Millennium Falcon, please. Cause I was a star Wars action figure collector also, Rob. And I begged my parents for the Millennium Falcon, please, 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 please. And it's, you know, everyone's opening the presents and my parents are like, no, no, we're going to wait on that one. I'm like, <laughs> so finally they bring it over. I get to open it. And it's the Death Star. <laughs> and spoiled little Shag is like all pissed off because it's not the Millennium Falcon. I'm a terrible freaking kid. Um, and I'm like, I mean, I, I pouted for a while. But once I started putting it together, you know, I began to appreciate it. And then it's become what I still don't own a Millennium Falcon to this day. But I still have my Death Star, Rob. All those things you talked about, it's in my garage right now. So the foam, by the way, after 40 years, turns into this weird, like it, it falls apart in your fingers. It's very creepy. Um, but I, I learned the hard way. Don't eat it. I that mean, is, <laughs> in fact, accurate. Yes. Um, <laughs> tastes, tastes horrible. One of the things I'm most proud of, because uh, I worked in a comic book store in the 90s, is people used to bring stuff in to sell, and not one of the Death Stars that ever came in ever had the rope swing. But I still have the rope <laughs> swing to this day. Wow. I, oh, wow. I'm very proud of myself. So. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, Chris, why don't you tell us one of your uh, Christmas memories? Okay, well, uh, you know, my birthday is in December, so a lot of times, especially earlier when I was, like, in the 70s when I was really young, it uh, my Christmas and my birthdays kind of blur. So I don't know for sure that I got these on my birthday or at Christmas or one of them a birthday, one of them at Christmas. But uh, one thing I had that was uh, that I lost somewhere along the way and for years had to, like, I had I only had photographic evidence to prove that they ever existed because I never saw them in any books or anything. Was uh, Empire, who make a lot of blow molds, uh, they made <laughs> a ride on pedal Batmobile and a Bat Cycle. And oh, wow, uh, they were released. Uh, I think the two that that I got might have been just uh, available through the Sears Wish Book. Which you know, I mean, when the Sears Wish Book came out, that was like Steve Martin and the Jerk, you know. Uh, you know, the new phone books here, the new wish books here. Uh, you know, I mean, that, I mean, kids that, you know, people nowadays, kids today wouldn't even understand how exciting it was when the, the Sears wish book would come out, but the Batmobile and the Bat Cycle were in there and I loved it. And, and it was, what was really cool about the Batmobile is it wasn't the George Barris, uh, TV show Batmobile. This was a unique design. It had, it had a bad head front on it, like the 40s car. It, though the car that it looked the most like in the 70s was in that Batman Spectacular comic that uh, had Death Strikes at Midnight and 3 that Ryan and I did on Nightcast. There was another story in there by, by Michael Nasser and David V. Reed, and there's a Batmobile in that that looked a little bit like this Empire Batmobile. And uh, it had like a radio thing that you could talk through to amplify your voice. And it had the bubble windshields. And I mean, it was just super cool. You know, and it just it was, you know, navy blue. And just, I loved it. And uh, there's a picture of me like watching TV with it parked lovingly uh, next to the fireplace. Like I squared it up. It's a drive-in theater. Yeah. I drove it. Like, I guess, I guess it was parked there. Like, you know, I like the, like the Batmobile parks in the Batcave on the TV show every time, I guess, I, you know, there's no turntable, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, the, the Bat cycle uh, was pretty cool too. It was, I mean, I'm pretty sure this was a standard motorcycle. In fact, I think there's a chips version of this same motorcycle <laughs> the Empire release. Which I makes want sense. that so badly. I yeah, want that course. right now. <laughs> I mean, it makes sense, right, Chips? And and but they they put a bat 
like a Batman head on like where the, the headlight would be. Uh, it didn't light up, but that's, you know, it was, it was there and, and it was a, it was a pedal, uh, cycle too. And over the years, uh, I drove the hell out of these things, but the Batmobile wheel got busted and it stayed down in the basement broken for years. And then at some point, both of them got thrown out and I gave my dad hell about it for years that he threw the Batmobile away. And, and he said, well, what, you know, if you ever find one of them damn things, I'm going to buy it for you. Uh, well, (laughs) when eBay come around, Cindy found it. (laughs) <gasps> oh no and uh in the very early days of ebay and like you know late 90s and uh this is when my mom was uh still with us and and uh she came to my you know I, I came to mom and dad and said hey you said you'd buy me that and so they went halves on with uh on it with <laughs> oh uh, my gosh <laughs> so i've got it sitting here it's like sitting over here you know next to me and and, and uh it's not perfect and uh but it's it's great to have it back, and and I found a bat cycle a few years later too on eBay. So uh, they're not they're probably in better shape than mine would have been even without the broken wheels. So uh, you know I don't know. I, and you just don't see those that often. They couldn't have made that many because they're huge, you know. So uh, I just I, I there's always a space for them here in my very packed collectibles room. So. <laughs> That is fantastic! Oh my gosh! So, wow. so you rode both both of them, the Batman and the Road. So you're like your own sidekick. Yeah, I did. Yeah, I just you know whatever <laughs> mood I was in, you know whatever you know, if I wanted to to you know I felt like you know I wanted to get out and do an easy rider type pastiche, I would take the uh, cycle, and if I, <laughs> if I wanted to you know cruise uh, you know Adam West style, I took the uh, I took the car. So yeah, awesome. <laughs> I love that you were you were demanding things of your parents long after you had already had a girlfriend. <laughs> You're long after we were married already. Yeah. <laughs> wow. And, and I'm like, hey, Dad, you told me that you know that it, it's me. My, me and my dad are really bad about that. We keep we bring stuff up that we did. Like I, I tore up a saw of his as a kid trying to make a a clubhouse uh, with some friends, and he gave me hell about that for 40 years and I finally, or 35 years. And I, I bought him a new saw for father's day this year. <laughs> and, I, and I drew him a card that says here, old man, shut up. Basically. <laughs> wow. <laughs> well, at least play a long game. Right. <laughs> hey, but at least they're men, men of their word though. I mean, that's, you know, they follow through. That's right. <laughs> All right, Max, why don't you tell us what are your happy Christmas memories? All right. Well, I'm going to bring you back to uh, star Wars. So um, one one thing we're not mentioning with Star Wars is that back in those days, especially like with the news that just came out about you know Disney Plus and all these shows that are going to come out and all that sort of thing. Back in the day, Star Wars came out and that was it, right? Mm-hmm. And we had to wait three years for Empire Strikes Back, and then another three years after that for Jedi. And you know that was that was hard. That was hard for me. Mm-hmm. You know? It was a long three years. Yeah, I mean, I was I was seven when Star Wars came out, and ten when Empire came out. Uh, and you know, I was I was all in. I mean, I was hardcore Star Wars. And so when and you know, I did get the Millennium Falcon at, at one point. I think for my birthday, because like uh, I think it was. Um, Rob, were you saying that the that birthdays were bigger for you than Christmas usually? Yeah, I, th- yeah. for me they were. That was. It, I've always felt that birthdays are like that's my thing. Christmas, everybody's Christmas, but mm-hmm. like, you know, yeah. most people are Christmas. But birthday is specific to me. So yeah, I think I was always a little more excited about my birthday than than Christmas. Yeah, and 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 I guess since it was just me, I used to get better presents on my birthday because not everyone was getting a present. <laughs> you know, right, they, they weren't, sure, they weren't yeah. having to get presents for everybody, so it was just for me. 
And so I got the Falcon one one year for my birthday. But one Christmas, I, you know, after Empire had been out, I got Darth Vader's Star Destroyer. Ooh, uh, wow. Which is, you know, which for me was a huge deal. I mean, it's it's compared to the other uh, play sets, it's, it's pretty small. But, oh, my God, I loved it because I I love that scene in the movie. You know when the when the capsule opens up and you get a glimpse of of Darth Vader's head from behind before the helmet <laughs> locks into place. Mm-hmm. Oh man, I get I'm getting chills just thinking about it right now. <laughs> and and I loved that Star Destroyer because it had that same capsule and it had a button at the top, which is, is a fancy flashlight basically. But you clicked it on and the light came on inside, and there was a place where you could hang someone from their feet, and <laughs> you know, all, all sorts of you know. There was Darth Vader's little torture chamber, and it was awesome. And uh, you could kind of hold it like a, on your arm, like it was <laughs> almost like it was an oversized pistol. You could kind of hold it on your arm to pretend you were flying down the hallway, which is what I did. And um, I remember getting that, and I got a handful of figures in my stocking because my family did stockings. And, and yeah, I mean, I, as my wife says about things, I loved it to death. Um, I played with it for probably much longer than, you know, (laughs) a kid should have played with something like that uh, (laughs) as I got older. And, um, unfortunately, eventually, uh, once I, I went to, um, you know, probably in high school when, when I started putting away my childish things like an idiot, I, uh, I put a lot of things into a cardboard box that we kept in the garage and it stayed there forever. And eventually the cardboard box disappeared and my entire family claims not to know what happened to it, but I still want my destroy my star destroyer. back. Mm. <laughs> so yeah, that was, that was my thing. And it was, I'm, I'm sure it wasn't as, uh, hard to put together as the, uh, as the Death Star, but I do remember having to put it together, and that was something that my dad and I did together. It was very simple, but it was it was a nice thing because uh, my dad always my dad was from the generation of, of men who you know fixed their own trucks and they did their own plumbing and all that sort of thing, and he tried to impart that on me, and it was entirely unsuccessful. <laughs> so, <laughs> so uh, being able to sit there and make something even as simple as this was together with him. Uh, kind of made that even uh, a nicer memory. Oh, that's really special. And uh, and Kenner made some really nice places. So you're right. It was it was a really probably a quality piece. That's really nice. And I can tell you, I'm in the free and clear. I did not steal your box because I still don't have a Millennium Falcon. <laughs> All right, my Falcon was in there too. Thanks for rubbing that in. All right, uh, Rob, you're up, buddy. Uh, okay, yeah. Well, I said we're you know I have a lot of Christmases involving Star Wars, as you might imagine, as as Max just talked about. It was there was three years in between movies, uh, but you know the merchandise kept rolling up. And I'm going to wind back a little bit before Star Wars. And as I said, it was all before Star Wars. It was all superheroes for me. That was my big thing. And Chris, you can you know you can attest to this. When if you're talking superhero toys in the '70s, you're talking Mego, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so. I just got every, I wanted every Mego doll I could get my hands on. And there's a, again, there's a picture of me uh, from our Christmas photo album. And it's got that wonderful seventies tilt tint that, uh, you know, you have to like use for an Instagram filter to get now. But, uh, I, I lived it. I lived it. Well, it right. wasn't a filter. That's what the world looked like in the seventies. Everything was just tinted brown. But uh, one Christmas I got two, I got the Joker van which was oh. the Mego Joker van, which was a, a giant VW bus colored like the Joker. 
<laughs> and and it came with like a squirting flower, and it had a sticker with the jaw with uh, the Joker's jaw on it and stuff like that. And didn't it, Chris? Can you recall what what well, like what was the feature of that thing? What did it do? Did it like drag? Didn't it like drag heroes behind it or something? Oh it God. had a squirting flower and a, a punch uh, a, a boxing glove to come out of the back. That's right. The, bo- oh, wow. the boxing glove. The boxing glove. That's right. So that that I mean, man, boy, did I love the thing. Uh, again, I, I had by that point I'd had a Joker doll. I probably had the Penguin, Peg Warmer Penguin, and I certainly had a Batman and Robin. So I mean, that thing got a lot of use. And again, I think Chris can attest the Mego vehicles were built pretty well. Mm-hmm. Like they held up pretty well, unless you really smashed them. Uh, they were they were pretty durable. So that lasted me a while. And then the same Christmas, I got another Mego toy, which was called the Mangler. Uh, which was oh God, Mangler. Now that was that was built for their comic action line, which was their tiny line of figures. Uh, they weren't the dolls; they were like the three and three quarter inch uh, superhero dolls. And the the way the Mangler worked, it was this green thing, like a tank like thing, and it had a face that was like j- these jaws that snapped, like rah, rah, rah. it looked like an alligator, basically. <laughs> and what you did was that you put, and it had a foam rubber inside of its mouth, and you would stick a character in the mangler's mouth and, like, crank it, and it would suck the figure into the 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 vehicle. And if my memory serves, and again, Chris, if I'm wrong, you, you'll be able to correct me on this, it would spit out a cardboard-flattened version <laughs> of certain heroes as if the thing had crushed them to death. Right, yes. Yes. The, the box shows Spider-Man punching the Green Goblin into it, yes. and it comes with a flattened Green Goblin. Yes, role. yes, yeah, yes. Yeah. Oh, what a great, what, what an insane idea that was, <laughs> that you would crush your characters. Now, obviously, it only came with a couple of these cardboard characters. So, I mean, you know, you could, if you if I shoved my uh, my Captain Marvel in there, I don't think it was going to spit out a Captain Marvel or my uh, my, more, my Jor-El figure. I, they didn't have one for Jor-El. <laughs> but, but man, I, again, I love the thing because it, like, it jaws would, like, snap. You get, like, rah, 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 rah. and it was just, and I, the picture of me, um, I'm so proud of these toys. Like, it's, it's total childhood joy where I am just so over again here's the word overjoyed with these things because it was just Mego was everything from like 74 to like seven i mean there was some overlap with star wars too but like it was just so exciting to have those vehicles because i already had the dolls and i had the figures my parents didn't really get me play sets just willy-nilly despite my reputation as richie rich so i had to wait for birthdays or christmas so to get both those the same christmas was just amazing and once again i'm trying to picture my poor parents, who know nothing of this stuff, <laughs> trying to figure out what the hell I wanted. You know, they must have been like, what? The Joker? Va-? Like, they probably knew the Joker from the TV show or something. Sure. I'm just trying to picture my dad being like, the man, like, just being completely baffled <laughs> as to what this stuff was that his nerd son wanted. Let, let me let me ask you guys something real quick, just as a, as a quick aside. Was there a go-to toy store when you were a kid? Hmm. Because in in my in, in my childhood there was there were two malls, uh, the good mall and the not so good mall. <laughs> <laughs> but in the not so good mall, there was a place called Toys by Roy, and I still don't know if it was a chain or if it was a local place. But that place had everything. It was the best toy store. Hmm, that's cool. My, my memory growing up is uh, we didn't. I, 
there must have been toy stores, but I we I got all my Star Wars stuff and everything from uh, Kmart or um, K, um oh, there was another acronym uh, some acronym letter thing that I can't TGNY so TGNY or Kmart is where all my stuff came from. We had uh, we had Ben Franklin. Um, oh yeah, and and it had a toy. It, I've talked about this before. You had to go downstairs to go into Toyland, and the whole bottom floor of the building was the toy section. And wow. I mean, that was literally like, you know, that the, the song that I used to play in front of the, those wonderful toys, that's Toyland, you know, that plays when you go down <laughs> there. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it, um, we got, we, we had that and we had a, a department store, like a Kmart type called Howard's. And, but, uh, I think a lot of my Christmas stuff really did come from Sears because we had a Sears catalog store in town. So you could get it shipped here, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it didn't ship stuff to your house back then, but you could, you know, get it shipped to the catalog store and go pick it up. So, <laughs> yeah. I didn't remember. I didn't remember a toy store in the in the seventies when we lived in Philly. I think I was too young. My parents probably just shopped there without me. But when we moved to New Jersey, there was a a chain called Kitty City, which mm-hmm. was these. It was like a Target sized store, but it was all toys. Oh wow! And, yeah, and man, like when they their Star Wars section was. I mean, like 20 pegs deep and 20 pegs high. So that was, and then they got the superpowers at the same time. So that, that, that store was marvelous to me. I got so excited when I would visit it's the, the building is still there, but it's like, obviously Kitty city went out of business a long time ago, but that was for me, that was the real toy Mecca. Wow. Jeez. I, I, I want to follow up on Chris's comment real quick about the, um, the Sears catalog and stuff. By the way, Amazon does a catalog now that they mail to a lot of people. And my niece sits there with the Amazon catalog, flips through it, and circles what she wants. And uh, <laughs> I, I think clearly it's what it is. It's targeting those of us who grew up that way. And they want to get them, you to do that with your kids, I think is what they're shooting for. And it seems to be working, at least on our case. Yeah. Yeah. My uh, Danny goes through the Lego catalog that way. So, mm. cause, <laughs> yeah, so she marks everything in it. <laughs> Nice. I got so distracted with uh, Kitty City, I lost where we were in the thread. It's either Uh, either you or Chris. Okay. Uh, Let's – was that you who just went, Rob? That was Max. Max went. Max went. Okay, then it's back to you, Rob, actually. No, Rob just went. No, I just did my – Rob just went. Yeah, I did my Mego Mangler. Yes, okay. This is like Christmas with the family. (laughs) (laughs) Who's going to play Santa and hand out the presents? That's right. Um, Well, my my next one's pretty short, so I'll just blaze through this quickly again. Sadly, my memory's really hazy back in the day. But 1978, uh, one of the presents I got, which was not Star Wars, shockingly, was a Star Patrol helmet. And this was by a company called Tim Me, or maybe it's Timmy. I'm not sure. It's T-I-M hyphen M-E-E. I had to Google all this because I couldn't remember. I could just remember the damn helmet. And I couldn't remember. And I had to Google pictures of 1970s you know, helmets for kids and stuff like that. And it took me a while to find it. I'm like, son of a biscuit, there it is. And it's interesting. I mean, they made all kinds of iterations of this thing. Almost all of them seem to come out in 78. But they have white ones and gray ones and blue ones and black ones and just tons and tons of variants. And they're all kind of exactly the same design. looks a little bit like Captain Powers helmet, but I had this thing and it had like a blue lightning bolt on the side, almost looked like a sports team franchise logo, this blue lightning bolt on the side. And I, I had this thing forever. Eventually when it stopped fitting, it's, I still kept it in my room. Um, so it, it's a happy memory. There's not a lot to it other than I really loved that helmet and I played with it a lot. Uh, I wish I'd rode it more when I rode my bike. I probably would have had less stitches in my head. But uh, it's, I don't know if anyone else remembers growing up. Uh, there's, there's a lot of these sort of vague, generic toys in the 70s. So that's one that I had that I, that I absolutely adored. 
did it do it? What did it like? What was the gist of it? Like, it was a space. It was a space guy helmet. It was so that just was it, right? There yeah. was no other hook to it. Uh, Not that I can remember. I mean, I suppose it may lit up or something. I I think I got a ray gun. Either my memory was I got a ray gun in the same set, but looking online, I can't find any proof of that. So I must have got a ray gun separately. Uh, is what I'm assuming because I had the helmet and a ray gun, and I was like, brrr, brrr, you know, go around shooting people and stuff. <laughs> If you go to our network buddy um, Brian Hyler's Plaid Stallions website, there's a lot of of uh, knockoff Star Wars stuff that came out in that vacuum when Kenner couldn't get the toys made in time because everybody knows. And Christmas of '77, they had to release the early bird kits, yeah, um, and there was no Star Wars figures available at Christmas and. 77 and uh there's a lot of like role play stuff i guess the role play stuff was probably easier to make than figures because it was you know um you know they made shields and helmets and lightsabers and ray guns and blasters whatever and and yeah there's a lot of that stuff out there and there's there's in fact there's one helmet that looks a lot it looks quite a bit like kylo ren it's oh my gosh (laughs) i've seen it before it looks more kylo ren than darth vader which is kind of interesting yeah so oh wow at the time (laughs) <laughs> well, Chris, why don't you tell us uh, one of your stories? Okay, well, I'm going to lump two in here together uh, because I've, I've mentioned this one I've mentioned uh, several times before because uh, Rob and I did a Wonderful Toys on the Lone Ranger uh, line by Gabriel. Um, All right. And uh, in 1981, uh, I didn't realize that there had been a 70s line of Lone Ranger uh, figures because I just – I guess I just missed it. Um, and uh, – that was the year that the uh, Legend of the Lone Ranger film came out, which Rob and I also covered on Film and Water. Uh, <laughs> Clint Spilsbury. Uh, so Gabriel released uh, three and three quarter inch figures based on that on that movie, but they also re released uh, their Lone Ranger, Tano, and their horses, Silver and Scout. And um, at my grandparents, we would we were always like open our presents. My family would open our presents to each other Christmas Eve night. And then go down to my grandparents and have Christmas there with my grandparents and my cousins and my uncle and aunt. And then we would come back home, get in bed, get up the next morning, and Santa Claus would have come, you know. Hmm. So we yeah, that was our tradition. And so went down to grandparents and, uh, you know, they, they usually – I think my mom helped them out quite a bit what they bought. But I, I tend to think this one was probably influenced by my, my grandfather anyway because he collected – horses he had horses all over i mean they collected stuff that's where i get all this from and uh, <laughs> oh sure was, blame somebody else yeah i blame them so i mean he had horses everywhere he even had some marks horses from the the johnny west uh, best of the west line and uh so i got lone ranger and tano and uh, lone ranger and silver in a box uh gift set and tano and scout in a gift set and I just was instantly in love with these. I watched Lone Ranger, uh, the Clayton Moore series with my dad and reruns. I, he had some of the radio shows on tape I listened to. And I, and I mean, that's, that's, I mean, those toys like nailed why I'm a fan of the Lone Ranger today. And uh, what's really cool is my horses survived through the years. My figures didn't, I had to get new ones of those, but I have those in a display case that actually came from my grandparents' house. It was in the the room when I opened that box, those boxes all those years ago, those packages. So I, it just makes me happy to like, that's ah, Papa's case. And there's the, the, the Lone Ranger figures that they gave me. So, uh, it's, it, it just always puts a smile on my face and I've added to it a little bit, but, uh, I love that. And, uh, but, uh, you know, when we would come home, you know, like I said, we get in bed and we'd supposed to go to sleep, but, um, 
I never went to sleep after <laughs> after a certain point. <laughs> I just stayed awake, and I'd stay awake, and I'd hear Santa, you know, banging around in the house, and a couple of times he cussed, uh, you know, right, <laughs> uh, and uh, fall over, knock things down, and things like that, and you know, lots of scampering, and and one year, the next year actually, 1982, I got up, went into the, I would get up, and I was allowed if I got up, I could go look and see what was under the tree, but I couldn't open it until everybody was awake. Uh, and I had to wait till at least a decent hour to wake them up, which a decent hour to me was five in the morning, but. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> so I got up, I went in there and what was under the tree, but the very foreboding box of the masters of the universe, castle gray skull. Oh, oh no. It scared the living bejesus out of me because <laughs> you're, this such, was, <laughs> you're such a nerdy kid. <laughs> I'm such a wiener, I know. It, but, you know, I was used to all this happy Migo packaging, and here's this Boris Vallejo looking, you know, Frank Frazetta, you know, just, you know, heavy metal cover box, you know, under my tree, and it's, it's like this giant skull. And I mean, this is before the filmation cartoon, like, totally filed the teeth down on He Man, you know. Uh, so I'm, I'm just, I was just scared to death of this thing, but I was intrigued of course. And I asked for it, of course, but I got that. I got, uh, He-Man and Battle Cat and a gift set. Love the gift sets. You know, I just, I just, if you can get a a rider and an animal and a gift set, it just makes my day. Uh, (laughs) and, and Skeletor. So I got all the, all you needed, the He-Man starter kit. So, uh, so yeah, you know, my parents put it together the next morning and, cussed about it the whole time because it you know they and i finally just took over so let me do it i'll do it and uh but uh yeah so i just i you know that was part of part of our ritual and uh those were two of the the presents i got that just jump out at me that's awesome that is so cool uh max what about you buddy uh well this one is from i wasn't a i wasn't a kid when i got it i was uh in my 20s uh, but my parents, I'm pretty sure my mom, because my, this was a very mom gift. Uh, I got, um, a Superman watch mm. and this was, uh, in 94 and it was a fossil watch and, um, it was really cool. Cause it was kind of just like, like a classic watch. Um, you know, old timey, not old timey, but you know, <laughs> you know, uh, not, not the big chunky kind of watches that they have now. <laughs> and, um, it, on its face, it had uh, what must have been Golden Age Joe Schuster um, style artwork. I don't know if it was original Joe Schuster or not, but you know, it, at the you know at twelve, three, six, and nine, it had the Superman shield, it had Clark, it had Lois, and it had Superman. Uh, but the best part of it, oh, and it came with a a little a little Daily Planet pin, a little pewter pin, uh, which I still have uh, mm. somewhere, and. Um, but the best part of it was that it was actually inscribed. Um, my mom didn't do this. It, it just came this way. But it actually says on the back, to, um, I think it says to Clark, or does it say to Superman? Uh, no, it says to Superman. It says to Superman, love Lois. Aww. On the back. <laughs> and I love that watch. And, um, you know, I wore it all the time. And then I... I chipped it i think and i was like so paranoid about it that i put it away <laughs> and, <laughs> and never wore it again uh but i do still have that watch i have it uh in safekeeping and uh yeah i mean it was right around well let's see superman died in 93 i believe uh and he was already alive again and long-haired in 94 
And so I'm assuming that this was kind of to um, to capitalize on that. And Superman was, uh, you know, uh, I guess getting kind of a boost from from all that, like DC wanted. And um, but what was nice about it was that it was the classic Superman, and it was a Superman that, um, you know, in those days I was more um, friendly toward. I guess is the way to say it. So you know, this this was. Um, just for me, a, a kind of a unique gift because you know you see it, you see these kind of watches all the time, and you know they're uh, you know for Garfield or whatever you know <laughs> with, the, <laughs> with the mouse on the second hand and and um, or you know a, a Mickey Mouse watch or something like that. But th- this was different, and it kind of showed me how much because especially at that point, you know your parents uh, don't necessarily pay as much attention to your hobbies as they did when you were a kid. It was kind of nice to realize that my parents had seen that I was still into comics, that it wasn't something that I was going to outgrow, quote unquote, and um, went out of their way to get me something that they knew that I would like. So that's very thoughtful, especially at, at the not young age that your parents were mm-hmm. thinking of you that way. And, no, uh, I was married a year later, so yeah, <laughs> I was not young. <laughs> that note you wrote, I think that gets the mom of the year award right there, man. <laughs> that your, your mom, I'm sorry, the, the, the note your mom wrote. I mean, yeah, she gets the award for that one there. Oh, yeah. All right, Rob. Why don't you tell us another one of your stories, Mr. Richie Rich? I was just going to say, Max, though, thank goodness, like, it wasn't like the uh, Ice Skater Superman merch at the time. (laughs) That watch would be so sad now. (laughs) Yeah, I like Electric Superman. I don't don't want that. I can't even want to know what time it is with this stupid thing. Uh, I'll just use my phone. Uh, (laughs) So, all right, this is uh, another story I have is based on another photo from from our our Christmas family album. And this one is a little more of a head-scratcher. Because um, it's a picture of me sitting on the floor, and I am perusing a Dungeons and Dragons set. So this would have been eighty three or eighty four, because Dungeons and Dragons was becoming a big thing. And I, I guess I had optimistic hopes that, like, I was going to get it. I, I've never been like a fantasy guy. More, I you know, more science fiction, more superheroes than than fantasy. But I guess because the, the the worlds of Dungeons and Dragons and the other nerd stuff, they were such the Venn diagram of those two things overlap so heavily. True. I, I think I figured that I was going to be into it. Sadly, you know, I not to be. I had like no friends that were into that at all. <laughs> I really didn't have any friends to be honest with you at that age. <laughs> Thank you for uh, finishing that. Yep. Yeah. So so this set these had with this gorgeous artwork just basically sat there and remained unused. <laughs> it was so sad. But the thing that's also baffling is sitting next to me is a pile of comics. And right at the top, uh, relevant to your interest, Shag, is a copy of Blue Devil. Yes. And, yes, it is. And I I, it, I never, and past a certain age, I never asked my parents to get comics for me, but they must have bought them for me because I don't know why else I would have had them down by the Christmas tree. But I'm just, I'm wondering, like, I wasn't, I didn't hate Blue Devil, but I wasn't that into it. So I wondered, did my parents just buy me random comics? I don't know. <laughs> but like, again, I'm trying to picture like my dad or my mom, like at some, you know, newsstand, like what, what's this Blue Devil? All right, let's get in there. I have no idea what it is. But anyway, you know, so I ended up having at least a couple of Dungeons and Dragons sets that just never got used because I had very few friends and the friends I had were not like other nerds like me. And I didn't know anybody who was into Dungeons and Dragons. So I would peruse the manuals and, and look at the little, oh, look at this, you know, a six for spellcasting, whatever that means. I don't know. And they just, 
they just never got used and eventually they all got thrown out. So it was kind of that was compared to my, you know, childhood Christmases, that was kind of a kind of a weak Christmas. <laughs> well, I can tell you specifically it was the Christmas nineteen eighty four because okay. that was Blue Devil number nine and it came out in go. November nineteen eighty four. There you go. Perfect. Yep. So that would have been it. I am just really I'm just really glad that your parents didn't prescribe to the satanic panic uh, mm. thing because not only did they buy you Dungeons and Dragons, they also bought you a Blue Devil comic. Cults were not a big thing in, in suburb, suburban New Jersey. So <laughs> well, I'm glad to hear Rob is part of that uh, happy crowd of kids that got role playing games that could never play them. So, uh, <laughs> yep. Um, I think we've got a few of those on the on the call today with us. Yep. Well, we were we were talking about it earlier, and I had the same situation with the Marvel RPG. I just I had it, never used it. Oh, I, I had the same situation with the DC RPG. I, <laughs> I I had some friends. We tried to get a campaign going, and my one buddy was like, "This is taking too damn long." And then we just it never did it. So yeah, <laughs> <laughs> well, we, we fulfilled Chris's lifelong wish on Hero Points recently. As Chris did. got to play the DC Heroes role playing game. So yeah, it was wonderful. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so, uh, but I, I mentioned earlier the the old school sort of generic toys, and you know, one I meant to mention at the same time. And Chris, I know you remember this one, the Milton Bradley Starbird. You remember that mm, one? Yes. It, it was an awesome flying ship, and the cockpit would separate. I had one of those at some point too, uh, and it became the model of the Justice League International shuttle for a long time. Right. Uh, I think it was Art. Was it was it Adam Hughes? Maybe who decided? I think it was Adam Hughes when you you posted those. I had never thought of that before, but when you posted in the gallery, I'm like, hey, that's the Starbird. Friend. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's, that's another great '70s sort of like generic toy that so many of us had. Um, my next memory is a lot of these don't paint me in a good light. Uh, so. <laughs> I, growing up, I was very brand loyal. So I grew up, you know, same area as you guys, right? But I didn't touch the Migos. I didn't touch the He-Man. I didn't touch the G.I. Joe. It was Star Wars or nothing for me. I mean, I was just, I, um, I was not budging. And so uh, Christmas time would come around, and that's what I would want. I'd get the Sears catalog, circle all that, right? Exactly. And as far as the, the truth behind Santa, sorry, spoilers, um, yeah, if you got any kids listening, you shouldn't be doing that. But anyway, um, I found out at a very young age the truth. Very young age, first grade. Uh, the school teacher spoiled that one, believe it or not. Wow. So, Jeez. yeah, yeah, I know. So anyway, I, so I, there was no mystery about that. But the real mystery was where the parents hid the toys. And one year I found them before Christmas. They were in my parents' bedroom behind the chair. I just, I don't know. I saw something stick out. I'm like, what's that? And I look over there and it's a giant bag of toys and all these Star Wars action figures. And it's like, I don't know, month of, the month of December. And I'm like, hot damn. You know, I know where this happened in here. So Christmas morning, we're downstairs. I bring my Star Wars action figure carrying case, not the Darth Vader one, which should have been turned into a spaceship, but the uh, the one before that with the gray trays. I don't know if you guys remember that one or not. And uh, it had the little – it had like a – it was two trays, two gray trays, and it had a plastic snap. It was just kind of yeah, like a – it was like a little carrying – like a little suitcase. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There you go. So I brought that downstairs, and I had already gotten the stickers out. Because it comes with the pre-printed stickers. I had already gotten the stickers out and put them in the new slots for the figures <laughs> I was getting that day. So, I mean, my, clearly my parents knew I had found the stash. I remember my sister even asking me, how are you so sure you're going to get those particular toys? Oh, I don't know. I just think I might. So, um, <laughs> yeah, it doesn't paint me in the best light. But, man, it was uh, ride or die with Star Wars action figures for me, man. Mm-hmm. 
Oh yeah. Can I can I just throw out there real quick the way I found out that Santa uh, was not real? I mean, I kind of already had a suspicion, but one year my mom made me and my sister wrap our own presents. Whoa! <laughs> what kind of Full Metal Jacket shit is that? <laughs> Oh, we we still give her hell for it today. She 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 was she was busy. She says, you know, and she she said, "I thought you already knew." And it was oh my gosh, oh, mom, scarred for life. Wow, this is my candy cane. There are many like it, but this one is mine. <laughs> All right, since Max shared his story, I'll finish mine out. So I'm in first. I'm in first grade. Sitting, we had a substitute teacher that day, and she says, "Okay, kids, blah 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 blah." Okay, by now, again, first grade. I'm six years old. By now, you all know that Santa, the Easter Bunny, the Tooth Fairy, I mean, she rattled off all of them and said, you know, none of those are real. And I'm like slumping. It's like one of those movies where they do the weird take where they, you know, like the Roy Scheider uh, Jaws scene where they move in on him in the background, you know, that kind of, I don't remember what that kind of shot's called. But anyway, it's like one of those moments. And I'm like slumping down in my chair. My whole world is crashing down around me. And I was so embarrassed thinking, oh, my gosh, everyone here else knows but me. And, uh, of course, you know, turns out that's how they all found out, too. Um, Jeez. That's awful. That is awful. That person should have been fired immediately. uh, My my mom called the school board. Did she go out to the the playground later and, like, just push kids around or what? (laughs) (laughs) By the way, uh, Max, earlier I said your mom gets the Mama Year Award. I think I have to rescind that now. I'm terribly sorry. (laughs) Over my dead body. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'll tell mine real quick how that happened to me. I had a – I was suspected – but in Christmas of 95, at my grandparents' house, probably this was probably something my mom bought and said, yeah, my pe- grandparents were like, we need to get Chris something. Well, he wants this. I got the Calabac Boulder Bomber from the Ooh. Superpowers line. And my Calabac figure was out in the uh, mudroom uh, at, our, at our house that come off on the, our deck. And so – I'm like, oh, I'm going to go out and get my superpowers figures and put him in this because I got it. So I come in, you know, we got to get ready for bed for Santa, but I run in there and there I open the door and there's all these blankets everywhere and there's stuff underneath them and there's Mm. all these boxes. And my parents never wrapped presents from Santa. They were, they came unwrapped and, uh, I just remember going, uh, and my dad, I don't know where my dad appeared from. He literally appeared from nowhere shut the door and said, don't look in there. And, and he I had a rusty said, broken saw with him. Yeah, <laughs> I never said a word about it. He never said a word about it. To this day, he and I have never said a word about it. To oh, my gosh. <laughs> because I just kept playing along. You know, uh, I never said I'm no mom or anything like Because My mom was so into it. I wasn't going to do mm-hmm. that to her. So, I mean, it just and and I'm pretty sure we're at that point now uh, in my own household, and we just keep playing along. So, well, did uh, did did you tell your dad yet that you know? Uh, yeah, well, I think he knows. But oh, okay, we never, I'm we just never, saying. We never talked about that incident again. I don't mean that incident, but just in general. That oh, you, in I general, mean, yeah, he knows. I know. The Franklin, yeah. well, the, as we've established, the Franklins play the long game. So, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, it's your turn for a story, Chris. Okay, well, I'll uh, just go ahead and segue into that. Uh, I'll do uh, I'll do a more recent one. I mean, it's it's when I was adult, an adult, if you call me that. Uh, but uh, <laughs> uh, Cindy and I were I don't know if we were married, but we were definitely you know together dating. And uh, Cindy and my mom and I went to a flea market uh, that we I frequented since I was a little kid. It's not there anymore, but it was an outdoor flea market. They always had really cool stuff. And this guy had. Captain Action 
items. Mm. I, had, I had never, you know, Captain Action way before my time. I had discovered him when I got my first book on superhero toys, Greenberg's Guide to Superhero Toys, which I think was the first book ever on collecting superhero toys. Came out in 1988, just as I was saying, I'm going to be a collector. So it's full of horrible information, but still, it had lots of good pictures. <laughs> uh, but uh, but so he had all these different Captain Action pieces. I'm like, wow, this is really cool, but I can't afford it. You know, I'm in college. I you know I can't afford it. And and uh, so you know that was months earlier. And um, Christmas time open. You know, we're opening presents, and I open one present, and it's like. You know, it's like Captain Action's actual uniform. And I'm like, whoa, that's cool. Where'd this, you know, and and then uh, there's this other box and then it's Action Boy's uniform and then it's Batman's uniform. It was all these, Cindy bought them and pieced them out in different boxes. Whoa. And, wow. And, uh, and, and it was just like a Captain Action Christmas. And I got all these pieces and, and I mean, that's just a good example. Cindy and I never buy each other anything practical for Christmas. It's, it's. <laughs> It's always stuff like that because we figure other people will buy us practical crap or we can go pr- buy practical crap when we want it, right? So right. we always buy each other geeky stuff. And the funny thing was is that the guy told Cindy, I know I've got Captain Action's hat somewhere. I'll send it to you. Can you If you give me your address and I find it, I'll send it to you. To you. I mean, like two or three months later, I got a package through the mail from who is this guy? Open it up. There's Captain Action's hat. Wow. He actually, actually sent it, so yeah. So I've, that's all the that's the Captain Actions. I bought more stuff since then, and got more presents of it since then. But that was the basis of all my Captain Action stuff that Christmas. So it was really cool. That's really cool. Wow! All those months later, that's amazing. Yeah. Cindy, what I mean, what uh, an amazing person for feeding and enabling this habit of yours. I mean, that's <laughs> yeah. and I mean that I mean that genuinely. I really do. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> all right, Max, you're up, buddy. I don't remember what you would do. It was, uh, must have been like 84. So I was a, a young teenager. Um, and I got an official Red Rider Carbine Action 200 shot range model air rifle. <laughs> oh! <laughs> you put your eye out, you know. <laughs> My, um, so the, the movie A Christmas Story, obviously that's what that's from, uh, came out in 1983 and it made my dad so nostalgic for his childhood. <laughs> uh, it was, it was just like the, the movie. You know, my dad had one when he was a kid. He used to, uh, I don't remember Red Rider was a, was it a radio show? I believe or a TV show. I think it was a radio show, right? Yeah, it was a radio show. Yeah, and he used to listen to Red Rider. He had a Red Rider uh, BB gun, and he wanted me to have one. And uh, it was kind of the same thing. I wasn't even really expecting it. We had bonded over that movie. And as I mentioned, my dad was kind of a, you know, he wasn't a macho man, but he was kind of a man's man, you know. And, uh, uh, you know, and all I wanted to do was, you know, stay inside and read and, <laughs> you know, not go outside. And... um and so, you know, that that was, uh, I guess, like a point of friction for us. You know, he we, we had trouble understanding each other. and But we really bonded over that movie. And so uh, when Christmas came around, it was the same sort of thing. You know, we did all our presents. And then my dad said, hey, what's that behind the tree? And there's this oblong package uh, behind the tree. <laughs> and I go and I grab it. I take it out. And it is the Red Rider BB gun. And it is it was just like. Uh, what they show in the movie. It had the leather strap on a little iron ring on the side. Uh, the stock was was uh, engraved with Red Rider and the, the logo and the whole thing. 
And I did the same thing. I grabbed the BBs, I filled it up, and I ran outside and started shooting. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it, it, it's funny because I, I personally uh, don't care for guns. I've never owned a gun, and you know, I don't, I don't. It's not, it's not my thing. Uh, but I loved that BB gun, and I would go out and I would shoot uh, everything but animal. I never shot, I never shot an animal. Um, and but I would just go around, and because in my neighborhood we had uh, ditches. Uh, in between blocks, sort of, and because uh, where I grew up used to be very agricultural, so there was uh, there were ditches around, and so I would shoot, you know, cattails, and I would shoot, you know, <laughs> rocks, and just whatever whatever was around, <laughs> uh, and and yeah, and I and you know it was a single pump, you know, thing, so it didn't have the power of most air rifles, but I just I I loved it just because um, it was that was a gift from my dad. You know, most gifts were from both of my parents, but that was a gift from my dad. And, uh, you know, and that, that meant a lot to me. So, uh, I, I want to say that's in the, in the mysteriously, that was in the mysteriously missing cardboard box that was in the garage at one point. Uh, but if not, it should still be around somewhere. Wow. That is an amazing story. That good luck following that one up, Rob. Um, <laughs> I picture this great. box now that Max is talking about. Like when he opens it, it's like Pulp Fiction with all the lighting underneath. <laughs> <laughs> My goodness! It's, like a, the, it's in the it's in the warehouse at the end of Raiders, maybe. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, there you go. Exactly. But by the way, Max, what's a cattail? I don't know what that a is. Cattail. It really is. Yeah, yeah. I have no it's, idea. It is. Basically, it's kind of a weed, and it yeah. on oh. one on one end it looks like a corn dog. Yeah, basically. exactly. Oh, that, I've never heard it called that. Okay. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah, yeah. And when they, you know, and when they when they uh, dry up, and, and you know, they just kind of make like this fluff, and, and right, that's how right, that's right. how it germinates. And yeah. Gotcha, gotcha. All right, yeah, we don't have those in New Jersey. We have strip malls, so. It doesn't <laughs> so um, and pineys. In pineys. pineys, yeah, we do have pineys. That is true. Uh, so, all right. Well, so my my last story in terms of a big Christmas memory it moves up a couple of years. Where obviously my interests, uh, well, maybe not my interests. I still love superheroes. I still love Star Wars. But the socially acceptable years where it was to get toys had passed. And then, you know, obviously, I wasn't, yeah, I know, and I wasn't old enough for it to be cool again in my own mind. So there's that mid gap. So at that point we're talking my mid teen years and I had sort of shifted into movies. That was really my big obsession and music to a certain extent. So my parents bought me a lot of VHS cassettes. Cause like, as Max was talking about, I didn't want to go outside. So I was like, <laughs> just give me stuff to watch. So I remember one Christmas I got both. <laughs> I got both volumes of the Billy Joel video collection, which were now he was my first real big guy that I was into music wise. I saw him in concert a bunch of times. I had a very close friend from high school who was a musician named Paul and, and he loved Billy Joel. So him and I kind of had that comment, but Billy Joel did a lot of videos. Like he was a big video artist in the mm -hmm. early eighties and he had enough videos to fill two VHS cassettes. And I remembered, you know, just really watching them and, and you know, I love the music, but it was fun to see them all collected. I kind of wish that existed for other things. Like, I wish there was like a Bob Dylan, one of those, I guess with YouTube, they figure it's not worth doing anymore, but I would buy a Blu-ray if they made them of like all the videos collected <laughs> in one spot. But it was really cool to see all these videos for songs that I liked and then see the videos I'd never seen before. I was like, he did a video for all for Lena. That's an obscure song. I didn't know that. So that was really cool. But the other one that they bought me, which was big was they bought me the VHS 
of MASH, the movie, the 19th uh... Now, I, by that point, I had become a MASH obsessive, and obviously that has not changed. Um, but I had, to my memory, I had not seen the movie to that point. I knew it existed, and I had a vague idea that there was a, there was a movie before. I mean, you got to remember, everybody, this is pre-internet. Oh, yeah. So it, wasn't, it wasn't easy to, like, look this stuff up. So I knew there was a movie or that maybe the show was based on a movie, but I had no knowledge of it beyond that. But they got me the VHS, and I remembered staying up very late at night and watching it. And it really was at, at an early age, it really was like a mind bender because here were all the characters that I knew and loved Hawkeye, hot lips and, 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 you know, Henry and Trapper, but all played by different actors. And it really did feel like to use a, a parlance at the time, like earth Two. you know, <laughs> like, what is this, what is this mash world where like none of the actors are the same and the situation is kind of, and plus that movie is a hard R. I mean that. I mean, they, my parents got me that when I was probably fourteen, fifteen. I was just about old enough to see those kinds of movies. But Mash is a hard R. The language is rough. The violence is rough. There's nudity. So I was a little surprised that they bought it for me. And I have to think they had not seen Mash, <laughs> and they just were like, "Oh, it's Mash. It's probably okay." You know, had they known that there's like boobs in it and stuff like that or whatever. Um, but I mean, I remembered it was like a big thing, and it really. It started, I don't want to say that was the beginning, but it was definitely a big step in my appreciation of more adult fare in terms of movies. Because that's a movie for adults. That's not a kid's movie in any way. But it's also I re- the suicide theme in it too, yeah. Yeah, it's a dark, dark movie. And I remembered, like, that was, you know, I really started becoming, like, a real big film person at that point. So that was that was a big Christmas for me of, like, oh, I'm kind of going in this other direction now. And it was really cool. And I, I, you know, I ended up watching MASH hundreds of times because it was just, it's a great, it's a masterpiece of a movie. It was cool to like immerse myself in the MASH universe in a different way. But, uh, but yeah, that was really a, a big thing for me. And I always appreciate my parents like knew enough about me. Like you were talking about Max, about how much your parents kind of know how much you're into, like what mm-hmm. you're into or what you're not, but they knew enough about me to know he likes Billy Joel. He likes MASH. He probably likes this stuff. So that was, that was a very thoughtful presence they got for me. That's really cool. And I, I don't think I've ever told you the story about my, my parents in the MASH movie, Rob. I'll just tell it real briefly. It's not Christmas related, but they saw, uh, they went out to the movies and it was a double feature that night. And I guess it was a, a sneak preview of MASH. So I guess it wasn't out for general release, but they were doing these sneak preview stuff. So they saw Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid first. And then MASH comes on. And as you said, it's a very dark movie. And they just had a blast with Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, which is so much fun. They actually walked out. Of Nash, because it was so dark and and sort of dreary by comparison that uh, that it made him miserable. So they they, they walked out on Nash. (laughs) Maybe it was a football game. (laughs) It could have been. So my uh, my last memory uh, is uh, not surprising, also Star Wars related. I and you talked about people knowing you. Well, this is a more recent one. This is only two years old. But my wife and daughter apparently know me well enough that uh, they, they combined three things. My, my love of Star Wars, my love of comic books, and my love of being an old man and falling asleep in front of the television. 
And so <laughs> they went to one of the local hobby stores and got fabric, this like thick sort of, um, I don't know what you call it, a uh, fleece kind of fabric of, it's a, a jumbo print of Star Wars Marvel Comics covers. I don't know if you've seen these in any fabric stores or on pillows. They make them, they make them for sheets and pillows and all this stuff now. But it's, yeah, it's a whole collage of Marvel Star Wars comic book covers. And they're sort of like all kind of hither there and slapped on top of each other. Some of it's the old classic Infantino. Some of it's the later stuff around Empire. And so it's a whole bunch of these. And they got, bought, they bought that and they bought this other, the back fabric and they made what you, they call this no tie blanket, which is where they just do snips on the ends and they, and all these little tiny strips and they tie the strips together. And so it becomes this really heavy blanket. So it's, it's, it's massively sized. It's super warm. It's super heavy. It's Star Wars. It's comic books. And I fall asleep when I sit down for more than 10 minutes when I'm not talking on a podcast. And so, uh, it's my favorite blanket in, in the world. And it's one of my favorite things I have now. And it, it makes me very happy. My family knows me that well. And we fight over it when it's time to watch a movie or something. We're all arguing about who gets the Star Wars blanket because it's just so wonderful. It's, a, it's almost like a weighted blanket. It's so heavy. It's, it's glorious. I absolutely adore it. Fight over oh, it, it's I, yours. I, yeah, really. What's that about? Yeah. What was that? Fight over it, it's yours. Um, yeah, I'm not exactly in charge of my house. <laughs> <laughs> my wife is a uh, very smart, very uh, very intelligent lady, and I know when to do what she says. And <laughs> my daughter's growing up just like her. So, <laughs> all right. So, uh, Chris, what do you got for us, buddy? I have got something. Uh, I'm going to dial it back to 1984. Uh, Christmas of 1984, um, I got out of bed around 2 a.m., as always. Uh, <laughs> I, I mean, literally, I did this every year. And I went and looked at all Santa had left me uh, and uh, went into the den. Uh, the trees in the living room went into the den, and that's where the mantle is in the fireplace. And, of course, our stockings were hung by the chimney with care. And <laughs> inside, you know, all sorts of goodies. And I saw something poking out of that. I'm like... That's a comic. I had never seen this comic before. So I got the stocking off the mantle and I took it in the living room with our tree and in the glow of all the Christmas lights, turned the Christmas tree on. Uh, and, you know, and I pulled this out and I'm like, I have seen an ad for this, but I, I haven't seen it yet. So I unrolled the comic, wasn't like rolled up, but it was kind of, you know, folded, you know, rolled, folded in there. So I, I pull it out. And I look at it, and there's a George Perez drawing of Aquaman smiling at me. And this mm. is Who's Who number one. Oh, oh no. <laughs> and I think I'm thinking, how did either Santa <laughs> or my mom, <laughs> this was before the Calabac thing, uh, uh, the year before, uh, how did how did they get this comic? This comic, to my knowledge, isn't out yet. Uh, so I remember asking my mom where she got it. And I, she, you know, she was like, said something like, well, you know, Santa, you can probably get his comics early, I guess. And <laughs> uh, my guess is she picked this up at Begley Drug down the strip mall from the Hallmark she worked at. Uh, she actually managed. And uh, according to Mike's Amazing World, it hit on December 20th. So she was doing some last minute stocking stuff for shopping and she saw aquaman and said hey he likes aquaman uh i'll buy this you know it's got aquaman on it so i read that comic to death literally at the the, the original version i've got has the cover is not attached um it's shredded to hell 
Uh, I probably wouldn't be talking to you guys right now if I hadn't got that for Christmas in 1984. So I thought that was the perfect thing to end on. Wow. Uh, yeah, so I thought, you know, because I felt like, okay, I got this extra special comic early, you know? <laughs> so. Wow. That is super. I've never heard of the comic before, but I mean, that makes a really nice story. Um, <laughs> wow. All right. Well, Max, uh, get good luck following that one up, buddy. You had a great one last time. I don't know how you're going to pull it off this time, man. Well, um, okay. So this isn't really, it's sort of about a present, but not really. It's actually the very first Christmas that I remember uh, when I was five years old and we were still living in my grandmother's house. Uh, we had just moved back from LA. Uh, we had this. This was the the night of Christmas, and we were sitting around the the living room. We had all the lights off it, it, because we had uh, the Christmas tree. So the only light in the in the living room was the Christmas tree. Um, maybe some candles. I I, I don't remember, but it, I remember the Christmas tree. And uh, my sister and I. It was it's just her and her and me. Uh, we were playing, we were, we were playing with our toys. And, uh, one of the things that I had gotten in my stockings was uh, silly putty, which I had never, never seen before. This was new to me. I had, mm. I had no idea what silly putty was. And it was just fascinating to me. You know, I was, I was pulling up images from the, from the, um, the Sunday paper and, uh, you know, just kind of bouncing it and, you know, doing what you do with silly putty. Um, and for some reason, my sister either didn't get any or, or she couldn't be bothered to go get her own, but she wanted to play with some too. So I was going to cut it in half. And so I was trying to pull it and, you know, I'm, I was very young and not critical thinking wasn't, wasn't a big thing yet. And so I, I just could not break it apart. So I put it in my mouth mm. and started pulling on it. Um, and of course it snapped and I ended up swallowing the piece that was in my mouth. <laughs> oh my gosh. And you became plastic man. <laughs> there it is. There it is. Oh. <laughs> I wish. So I was, I, I was a very sensitive kid in case, in case people couldn't pick up on that already. Uh, and I just started bawling i was sure oh. i had poisoned myself i thought i was gonna no. die I, I was just inconsolable and my mom was going what's the matter what's the you know she's freaking out because all of a sudden her son is just crying his eyes out on the floor trying to explain that i had swallowed something she was like what did you swallow what did you swallow and i just kind of held up my <laughs> my piece of silly putty <laughs> And my dad starts laughing his ass off, <laughs> <laughs> like we're all doing. <laughs> and he's and he and my mom was like, "Don't laugh, don't laugh." And my dad says, "When you go to the bathroom, now it's going to bounce around in there." <laughs> <laughs> and this made me start crying even more. <laughs> oh no! And and but then you know my dad is la he's crying just I guess <laughs> with this image. And my mom starts laughing. Everyone was laughing, uh, my grandparents. And I started, you know, I, I guess because everyone else was laughing and I had calmed down enough to realize I wasn't going to die after all. And I started laughing. And this is a story that my mom still tells to this day. <laughs> of me and the silly putty. 
so it wasn't like one of the best presents I ever got or anything, but it's, it was definitely one of the most memorable. That is a wonderful, happy family memory. That's fantastic. Oh my gosh. I, I love <laughs> your dad <laughs> turned the whole thing around. Uh, oh, see, yeah. that's what dads are good for. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Poop that's jokes, awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Poop jokes, exactly right. <laughs> well, folks, that is going to do it for this uh, walk down memory lane where we revisit our Christmas memories. Guys, why don't everybody go around and just say something, uh, a happy Merry Christmas or, or happy holiday, whatever kind of message. Rob, you're up. Uh, well, look, everybody, if you want to create another wonderful Christmas for me. I have uh, spent the whole year telling you about books I want on in-stock trade, so you can pick something up for me and send it over to K2HQ. So uh, ball's in your court. Uh, Chris? Uh, I just hope somebody finds that box of Max's. Uh, If you know where that box is, please contact the Fire and Water Podcast Network. (laughs) Operators are standing by. Exactly right. And I'll just add to that. uh, Before you send it, please take the Millennium Falcon out and send that one to me, please, so I can (laughs) fill out my collection. Max, uh, you you can get the last word here, buddy. So what, what message do we have for the people at home for Christmas? Uh, you know, I'm just going to be corny. I'm going to say thank you to everyone for, for listening to um, the, the network and uh, the guys on the network themselves for, you know, allowing me to be a part of this. And just, you know, Merry Christmas. Feliz Navidad. Uh, let's look forward to a better 2021. Happy holidays, everyone. Ho, ho, ho. <laughs> oh. This little guy was crazy for Christmas. We used to wrap his presents in lead foil so he couldn't peek. You mean Santa wrapped them? Oh, of course, dear. <laughs>